levels, but first, we're so excited that you're joining us for worship this morning. We're going to kick it off as we do each week with some worship music. Why don't you stand and join us as we sing together? Your love makes me sing hallelujah. 
you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you. If you're joining us on the live stream, hello, welcome, thanks for joining us. Drop a hello in the chat to let us know you're here joining us. you're joining us for worship this morning. I'm Pastor Matt, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First. I want to share with you just a few quick announcements this morning. We have a lot going on. First of all, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah, you can clap for Mother's Day. Come on. That works. 
We do want to let you know that we have a special gift out, uh, in the great hall there. There's some free flowers for you. If you're a mom, you ever want to be a mom, you ever were a mom, however that works, we invite you to celebrate your womanhood this morning. Grab a flower on your way out. Around the corner here, there's also uh, some streamers that says Happy Mother's Day. If you're looking for a picture with a little bit more pizzazz after church today, you can stop by that and grab a, grab a Mother's Day picture. Church, and uh, especially out at Teeter. So today is also the last day of the Teeter plant sale. We definitely invite you to head out there if you can after church today. It ends at 2 o'clock. It's just right up the road. They've got tons of fresh fruits, vegetable plants, and herbs, and flowers, and all sorts of things. I tell you, it's it's some of the best starter plants you can have, whether you put a, put a garden in the ground or you just want to grow out of a pot. It's great, great stuff, and it helps support our mission to end food insecurity in Hamilton County. So check it out if you can after church today. Plant sale ends at 2 o'clock. Um, we also have a new thing going on this summer. We are blessed with an incredible facility here at Noblesville First through our preschool. We've got a great playground over here on this side of the building. And we want to open that up to you. So if, you, if you're looking for a way to meet some, maybe some new parents or your kids to meet some new friends, all kids five years old and under, that is not parents five years old and under, I know the and makes that kind of confusing sometimes. But you can bring your kids. Come and play on the playground. This is rain or shine. If it is raining, we'll bring you inside to our indoor play space and have an opportunity both for your kids to let out some energy on a play area as well as meet some new people here at the church. So come and join us for that. Also, out at Teeter, we have our, we're having our community field planting days, uh, Thursday through Saturday, this coming Thursday to Saturday. There's no experience required. You don't know have to have to know anything other than how to get dirty. So if you are capable of getting dirty, we can use your hands and feet here helping to plant out a teeter farm for our vast, vast fields of fresh produce that we are growing to help give away as many servings of fresh fruits and vegetables as we possibly can this year. And then also out of teeter this coming Saturday is our foraging hike. That's what we're calling it with a certified herbalist. If you want to learn more about Indiana native plants that you're allowed to eat, and ones that you absolutely shouldn't eat or maybe even touch, lest you become very itchy and bumpy. You can come and join us for a foraging hike. We, because it is a certified herbalist, we're asking you to register. There is a cost that, that's associated with it. You can go to TitoOrganicFarm.com to check out more as well as register for that. So please check that out if that's something you're interested in. And then finally, we, if you are new with us or you are looking for new ways to get involved with Noble Dual First, we invite you to go to our website, check out the Next Steps link to help get, a, get you connected with us for all the various ministries we do here at Noble Dual First. We'd love to plug you in. If you have further questions, you can come and find me. I'm Pastor Matt. You can find Pam, our hospitality coordinator, to ask questions for how we can best get you plugged in here at Noble Dual First. We'd love to have you. We're so glad you're joining us this morning. And now we invite you to enjoy this stewardship video. Nobles will first moms group. Hospitality person Pam Kaplinger and I have started a moms group for moms of small children. So we hope it will be an environment and a safe space for moms to come to have some coffee, some food, adult conversation. Kids are welcome to attend, and our hope is just to have a good conversation around the hardships of mom life, um, to vent about challenges, and to share uh, prayer concerns, to share our hopes and joys of parenting, as well as just to have a place to talk about whatever life is throwing our way, whether it's what we're watching on TV to what we're having for dinner that week, or upcoming plans for spring or summer, or even just sharing what's happening in our lives as far as our, our kids and the ways that we can come together as moms. Especially after COVID-19, we know that a lot of moms are feeling isolated and frustrated and are needing a place to connect. And so our hope is that we will provide that safe space for any mom to come and just be themselves and be together. Mom life is hard, but so is grandma life. <laughs> And I've experienced that here at Noblesville First Moms Club with my granddaughter, Arista, who loves to play. We would love to have you here. I am happy that I can be a part of this group and my daughter can come with her, with my granddaughters. Thank you. <laughs> so we hope that you will join us 915 on Wednesday mornings in Wesley Hall 
come for food, fun, fellowship, conversation, just to get a break if you need to. And in the summer, we'll be offering once a month meetups at local parks. And you can find more information on our Noblesville Church Facebook page. We have a Noblesville First Moms group that you can join as well as an email list. So contact me at the office, jmoffettnoblesvillefirst.com or Pam Kaplinger, pkaplinger at noblesvillefirst.com for more information. So we look forward to seeing you very soon and we really thank you for all your support for our new moms group here at Noblesville First. Mother's Day, everybody. It's a great day to be here. Um, and for those of you who don't know me, my name is David McKenzie, and I serve as the student ministry director here at Noblesville First United Methodist. And today we're celebrating, honoring, praising uh, the mothers and grandmothers, all of the women who, uh, through their love and through their faith, shape our lives. And today's message, it's going to kind of be a hybrid of sorts. It's going to be part sermon, part testimony of my mother and the impact that her faith has had on my life. Um, but before, before I get started with any of that, uh, I just want to say a quick word to anyone here who, who may be struggling, who may have recently lost their mother. Um, I remember how difficult it was for me the first year that I didn't have my mom with me on Mother's Day. And I want you to know that we, we love you so much and that we are here um, if you need anything at all. And if there were one word of encouragement that I, I'd like to say to, to, to those of you today who are struggling because of it being Mother's Day, it's that Jesus, he knows that we live in this fallen world and that we will have troubles. Um, and he joins with us in our grief and in our suffering. Uh, a verse that brought me peace at, the, at that first year of my mom not being here was John 16:33. Where Jesus says that um, he's told us these things because we will have trouble, but for us to take heart, he has overcome the world. Jesus walks with us in our pain. Um, he walks alongside us in our grief. And my encouragement to you today is just that Jesus is right beside you. And if there's anyone at all who needs a little extra love or a little extra care today, um, I would encourage you to just reach out. We have the most amazing pastoral care team here, uh, Bonnie, and Paul, Mary Eileen, do just an incredible job of sitting and listening and praying. Um, and if you need any help uh, finding them or anyone on the pastoral care team, uh, that, that amazing hospitality coordinator with her, her grandchild in the video, Pam Kaplinger, find her running around, tell her Happy Mother's Day, and she'll point you in the right direction. In my life, I've been so blessed to have my life be filled with strong, courageous, and loving women of faith. I was so blessed with my grandmother, Betty McKenzie. Uh, that's my father's mother, and she is a longtime member at Old Bethel United Methodist Church. She recently passed away in July, so any additional prayers for my father and his siblings would be greatly appreciated. But her husband, my grandfather, Eldon McKenzie, he passed away when I was in second grade. I don't have all that many memories of him. But what I do have a memory of, a very strong memory, is how my grandma Mackenzie illuminated uh, what it looked like to be a faithful widow according to 1 Timothy chapter 5 throughout her life. Um, God also so blessed me with my meemaw, Marilyn Clark, also a longtime member of Old Bethel United Methodist, who I look forward to celebrating with later today. She's been a constant presence of faith and servanthood, of love and of perseverance throughout her entire life to so many people, uh, myself and basically anyone she's ever been in contact with. <laughs> I've been so blessed with my wife, Amy, whose sacrificial love as a wife and as a mother is contagious and inspiring. And Amy's mom, Patricia Grohl, has so blessed us with her love throughout our relationship. 
And I promise you'll understand why I'm saying so blessed here soon. Yes, I have been so, so blessed by many amazing women in my life. But today I want to talk to you about the influence that my mom had on my life and how she so blessed me. By the way, she sets an example of sacrificial love and biblical faith to be followed. See, I've always had a special connection with Mother's Day. Um, when I was growing up, my mother would tell me the story of her favorite Mother's Day ever. And that was the Mother's Day in which my mom, Cindy McKenzie, and my wonderful father, John McKenzie, they left the hospital with this little baby, this little rebellious, stubborn little hellion, that would be me, <laughs> who probably gave them far more headaches than they'd be willing to admit today. Um, and I had been born just two days prior on May 10th. And every single year, like clockwork, till my mom died, when I would go to say, Happy Mother's Day, Mom, before she hugged or said anything, she said, You know what my favorite Mother's Day is, right? The year I got to bring you home from the hospital. And no matter how old I was, no matter if I rolled my eyes as an adolescent or I went, oh, mom, if it was in front of my friends. Didn't really matter because every single time that I heard her say those words, my heart would immediately be filled with joy. It was as if her joy was contagious, like an infection. And even though I had this special infection, hey, Bubba, this special connection with my mother and with Mother's Day itself, I was still kind of taken aback when Pastor Jill tapped me on my shoulder and asked me about preaching today. See, everyone here kind of knows the story of me and my relationship with my mother. Um, so I shouldn't have probably been surprised, but there's a lot of reasons why it made absolutely no sense for me to be preaching this message today. For starters, um, after Easter and Christmas, today tends to be the third most attended service of the year. And Typically, things like the most attended service really wouldn't matter much, right? But this is also my first ever Sunday that I'm delivering a sermon in my life. <laughs> so, apologies in advance if it's somewhat of a chore for you. I'll probably go a little over. I was alerted that I did on the first service, and that's, that's uh, an apology in advance on that. And lastly, we, we just have so many amazing women in our church, so many amazing mothers and grandmothers. I've only been here since January, but I have just received so much love from the women in our church, both as members and on staff. And surely it would make so much more sense for them to be preaching here today instead. Yes? No. The reason that it made perfect sense that today, Mother's Day, would be the first time I would be asked to deliver a sermon is because today's sermon is not about me or my life or my faith at all. Instead, it's about the person who brought me home on Mother's Day 37 years ago, my mother, Cindy McKenzie, and her good infection that she would share with me and with so many others throughout her life. Our moms, they don't only pass down uh, Mother's Day memories with us. They pass down things like family traditions and books, photo albums, or genetics. My mom, she even passed down catchphrases. Catchphrases, of course, that direct our attention to Christ. Can anybody guess what her number one catchphrase just so happened to be? Wait till your dad gets home. Well, that, that would be a good one, Bonnie. No. I love you, son, is another great one. But no, her number one catchphrase that anyone who ever came in contact with my mom, no matter the size or the scope of the event, one-on-one, -on -one, big party, doesn't matter, was so blessed. In fact, she would have us put one arm up to the sky, one arm out, as if we were taking a middle school choir picture. <laughs> and we would all say in unison, so blessed. In fact, can real quick, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask, can, you, can, can everyone put your arm, one arm up, one arm out, and then she would say, aren't we all? And then the church said, so blessed. Amen. 
Absolutely. We are so blessed. Yes, our mothers pass down and share amazing things with us throughout our lives. And the thing that I feel most blessed to have had passed down from my mother is what C.S. Lewis called the good infection, the good infection of Jesus Christ. In Mere Christianity, Lewis has a chapter titled The Good Infection, and he writes that good things as well as bad, you know, they're caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They're not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. No, they are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting out at the very center of our reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a man or a woman is united into God, how could he or she not live forever? Once a man or woman is separated from God, what can he or she do but wither and die? When Lewis closes his chapter out, he he highlights that this is this is the entire offer which Christianity makes, that we can, if we let God have his way, come to share in the life of Christ. And if we do, we shall then be sharing in life which is begotten, not made which always has existed and always will exist. He, Christ, came to this world, became a man in order to spread to other men and women the kind of life he has, by which I call the good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of Christianity is simply nothing else. Our faith moves us deeper into relationship with God, and by his grace through the Holy Spirit, it transforms us further and further into Christ-likeness. And this reflection of Christ-like sacrificial love serves to spread the good infection with others. And mothers seem to be uniquely equipped to do just that. John 15, 3-5 is the passage where Jesus speaks of being the vine, we are the branches. And he says, whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Mothers, they sacrifice their bodies, they sacrifice their time, their energy. Mothers are even uniquely equipped to meet the needs of their children before the child even leaves the womb. Yes, a mother's example of sacrificial love becomes the very first place in which a child experiences the sacrificial love of abiding in Christ. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus informs us on how we can be carriers of this good infection. He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, Jesus is telling us about this radical sacrificial love and how it's so easily recognizable. And history shows us it's infectious. It's God himself who is the source of this good infection of sacrificial love. First John 4 uh, tells us that we love because he first loved us. And a little bit before that passage, John says that God is in fact love. And as Christians, we understand the power of sacrificial love. We realize that the only reason we even know how to sacrificially love is because we have first experienced the depths of God's sacrificial love in our own lives. We experience that through our mothers, through prayer, through strangers, through other Christians, through non-Christians. Sadly, we also may know how it feels when we are shown hostility, contempt, or rejection from others who proclaim faith in Christ. And as Christians, we are called to help spread the good infection. We help to spread this good infection of Christ, sacrificial love, when we worry less about what we're experiencing, the pain, the hardship, and instead choose to carry our cross and walk alongside those who are feeling isolated or rejected while living in their own painful circumstances. And when we fail to do this, or worse, when we contribute to others feeling rejected, the opposite then becomes true. Instead of helping others catch the good infection, we risk numbing them to the reality of its presence. This dude, Frederick Nietzsche, old philosopher, he once said, I might believe in the Redeemer if his followers looked more redeemed. 
And I know there are a lot of times when I fall so incredibly short at reflecting this sacrificial love to others in the way we have been called. Stress is hit. Gas prices are skyrocketing. Family communication breaks down. Doctors want to have further tests after a basic routine appointment. And worse than any of that, we lose people that we love dearly. And when that happens, these real issues that cause us real pain impact the way we interact with others. When our primary focus is on the problems of the world rather than fixed on the reality of Jesus Christ and his cross, we become naturally less loving, naturally less compassionate individuals toward others. However, when we fix our gaze, our primary focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, we are able to find peace and joy necessary, not just to navigate our own darkness, but to be a light for others as they make their way through the darkness in their own lives. And this, my friends, this is one area of my life that I try to keep this picture of my mom singed on my brain every day. And again, I fall so short. Because even though my mother was battling cancer and Crohn's and blood loss and lit, whatever, there was a medical issue, name it, she probably had. And from the early 2000s on, she just was constantly in hospitals, constantly in doctor's appointments. And even though she had those hardships, she never allowed those things to take priority over reflecting God's love. Because her conviction to love others as Christ loved us, she was able to become a constant carrier of this good infection despite those challenges. Some 15, 20 years before my mom passed, she began this, uh, well, I call it a ministry. I think it's a ministry. It was called Forever Friends. All right? And in this ministry, she would send out newsletters to hundreds of people, most of them in Indiana, some of them overseas. That'd be my old fifth grade teacher. And some of them scattered throughout the country. Um, and in these letters, she would share good news, prayer requests, a Bible verse, and a prayer. So pretty much a ministry. And just getting on the phone with my mom as she was putting those letters together was like a shot of joy. She would ask, hey, what's going on in your life with Amy? What's, what's any new news that you'd like me to share with the forever friends? What can I pray over for you? These things would bring me so much joy. And, of course, she would pray immediately while on the phone. So not only was the, were those prayer requests being sent out to others, they were being met right there in that moment, meeting the need. And the Forever Friends crew, see, they were like this hodgepodge crew. The picture I found up there doesn't, doesn't really do it much justice because um, there were a ton of just complete strangers. There were lifelong friends, family members. It was huge hodgepodge group of people, and there were even a lot of people who had once been married but were now divorced, who were firmly entrenched in this Forever Friends crew, never missed an event. And too often, the heartbreak of divorce can permanently fracture what was once at least a decent friendship. But in Forever Friends, disputes, disagreements, and even dissolutions were set aside as everyone would come together to celebrate friendship, to be loved, and to be cared for, and to be prayed over. And oh yeah, to be so blessed. This conviction to reflect this sacrificial love brought together broken relationships and strangers and family members and just anyone who could be there to reflect the unity desired in the body of Christ. And I find life in the good infection of Christ's sacrificial love. But then somewhat begs the question, how do you catch that good infection of sacrificial love? Well, to be able to catch a good infection of Christ-like love, one must also have caught the good infection of the Christian faith. Uh, in Mark 11, through 24, Jesus tells us, have faith in God. Jesus shows us in this passage the power faith has and how faith brings us into this dynamic relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11:6 goes on and, and tells us, how necessary faith is for catching the good infection. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. This passage then goes on and says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
The last few years, we've been told to be distant from one another, six feet apart, right? Six feet apart, and thoughtfully so. We've been trying to avoid infection, but the author of Hebrews here, he tells us, draw near through faith, become infected with the good infection. And what exactly is faith? Because faith is one of those tricky words in our culture. Some people associate faith with this blind kind of setting your mind or your reason to the side and not thinking things uh, through your brain, not, not using your brain to kind of think things out in your life. And I don't think that's what the Bible defines faith as. When it came time for me to prepare my mother's, my mother's eulogy, I had prayed and meditated in hopes of finding a verse that would speak to the impact that my mom had on so many lives. The verse that God ultimately led me to was centered on Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.1, 1, actually. It's the verse of faith. It says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And other translations may tell you that's confidence or assurance of things hoped for, but it's my conviction that those seem to kind of miss the mark. The, the word used in Hebrews 11.1 1 for faith is hypostasis, and I'm sure I'm botching that because I'm a Hoosier. Um, but the, the, pr- the primary meaning of this term is substructure, it's foundation, right? So I guess let me try to put it this way, okay? If I'm falling down a cliff, if I'm rolling down a hill and my life is soon to be over, I'm, I'm falling, I'm going to die. This cliff is taking me off of an edge. I'm grasping on anything that I can possibly grab hold to. And if I see a branch coming up and I reach out for it and I grab it, my faith is not in my ability to hold on to this branch. No, it's on the roots, the unseen roots that are holding that branch, that it will hold me and keep me still. And in that faith, in that moment, it spurs hope, hope that I'm not going to die, that the fall is not going to take me out, but instead that I will live, that I will have life, right? Our faith is substantive. It's in the unseen roots that hold us, that keep us. Our faith is based upon the substantive reality of God's word. These roots, they hold us and they keep us from further falling. This good vine, it keeps us in place and it saves us from death. Late pastor and author Derek Prince, he wrote this awesome book uh, called Unshakable Hope, Joyful Expectation in every season. I would highly recommend it, um, especially if you're, if you're going through any hardship. It really was something that helped me. In his chapter that uh, speaks to the relationship between faith and hope, Derek Prince says, faith is substance. It is in the here and now. It's that branch. It's here. Faith is based on the unseen reality of the word of God and hope. The fact that I'm not going to fall down that cliff in turn, is based on that faith, that branch that I'm holding on to, God's word. Faith is a present reality that you experience when you are trusting completely in God's word. And because the Christian faith is a substantive reality that we experience in the here and now, it initiates spirit-led action, hope within our lives. It's based on that substantive reality of God's word, God's promises of Jesus Christ. And Paul writes about this in Titus 2. He says, For the grace of God has appeared. It's brought salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's a present age, the present and the moment reality of God's grace that is bringing salvation for all. And this initiates action on the believer's part. And then Paul goes on, he says, Waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, this present substantive reality rooted in God's promises, it allows us to fix our gaze on the blessed hope of Jesus Christ and his ultimate return in glory. Hebrews is that chapter of faith, the hall of fame of faith. And I think Hebrews 11.11 helps us to kind of sum up this picture of faith the Christian faith, through the story of one of our biblical mothers, Sarah. In Hebrews 11, 11, it says that by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him, God, faithful who had promised. 
So let's, let's unpack that briefly. Does Sarah shut her mind off here? Does she stop considering things? No, she, she actually does the opposite. Sarah takes a moment and looks around and takes note of God, of God and how he has been faithful to his promises regarding she and Abraham. She observes this reality. God has led them to this land that he, in fact, said he would be leading them to. He's been faithful to his word. And now, as she considers this and says, God is faithful. I believe in God's promises more than my circumstances. Her future hope and present actions are now changed based upon this thought-out belief and trust in God's word. It's because by faith we are drawn near to God. We then examine the world through the lens of God and place our faith in the substantive reality of God's promises. And then that faith, it produces this blessed hope and changes the way we interact in our lives and in the relationships within our lives. And C.S. Lewis, he, he kind of touches on this. Obviously, Christ tells us, love one another. Right? That's how they'll know. And C.S. Lewis says, to have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. But trying in a new way, a less worried way. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he, Christ, has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions. No, inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because that first faint gleam of heaven is already inside of you. And this, my friends, this is something I struggle with in my walk every single day. But because of the gift of God's grace, and we sincerely seek and we trust God, and we follow Christ's example, just pursue him and pursue Christ's likeness, God works within all of that mess to continue spreading the good infection throughout your walk. And the Apostle Paul, he speaks to this specifically relating to mothers and grandmothers and how they are uniquely capable of passing down the good infection of faith. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, this is a deeply personal letter. Paul, Paul's sitting, he's, he's facing martyrdom. He knows his days are numbered. And he's writing his protege, someone he called his son. Right? Does Paul cite the faith of himself when he says encouragement, Timothy, do this even when I'm gone, when he's encouraging Timothy to continue the ministry. No, Paul cites the generational faith of Timothy's mother, Eunice, and grandmother, Lois. He uses that to encourage Timothy to continue the mission once Paul is gone. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. The good infection of a substantive faith that moves people to trust and follow Christ, it is generational and it is so often shared or passed down by mothers and grandmothers like so many here and like Lois and Eunice who infect us with their faith. I mentioned my meemaw, Marilyn Clark, earlier. I came across something when I was preparing for this sermon that, that kind of helps underscore this generational faith found this book, A Mother's Legacy, Your Life Story in Your Own Words, um, that my mom began working on um, and, um, I guess, never, never really saw it until after she had passed. And at the beginning of one of the chapters of this book, there was a writing prompt, and it asked, what were Sundays like as a child? Did you go to church? To which my mother replied in this book of hers that we went to church Every Sunday. When we were very little, our mom, my mom, sometimes pulled us in the wagon. We went to Brookside United Methodist. When my mom married my dad, my papa, we went in his car. When I was in high school, we, we began attending to Old Bethel United Methodist Church. Now, I want you guys to picture this for a moment. It's a wagon with four kids being taken to church, right? If you were to watch... Someone come over, carry, dragging their four kids, a mom, in a wagon today from the apartments, from the high school, from somewhere around here, down the street, wherever, right? What would, what would pop in your head? What thought would pop in for me, for me, what's faith? What's faith, right? Amen. Ben said faith means that you get down, but you get back up. Beautiful. Amen. 
The next prompt in my mother's book, it said, it asks, did you visit your grandparents? In response to this prompt, my mother writes, our grandparents lived in Illinois, but we visited them often. We always went to church in Illinois. My grandparents were wonderful Christian examples. We're less than a half a page down this book, but the story's unfolding before our eyes, right? Our mothers and our grandmothers who live out their Christian faith become a source of the good infection of Christ-likeness that gets spread from generation to generation. I experience life through the good infection of the Christian faith. Now, our family, we definitely have had our, our share of ups and downs, of doubts, of mistakes, of struggles. Um, my mother and father, two of the most caring people that I, I know, uh, they would ultimately get divorced. But through their faith, God was able to use even the challenging experiences um, as a means of spreading this good infection down to me and my brother because we got to witness unconditional love through the lens of a close friendship that continues past division. Eventually, both uh, my mom and my my father would date again, and my mother would ultimately have a lengthy engagement with George Stout, who's, who's here today as well, her fiancé at the time of her death. And through that relationship, my mother was able to share this good infection of her unconditional love with George and, and his five children in, in the same way she had with me and my brother and my father. It was this expanding <laughs> dynamic of this good infection. And Romans 8.28 tells us that all things are going to work for the good for those who love God and are called by his purposes. And I was so blessed to see this play out in front of my very eyes because God worked even within my mom's health and relationship challenges to continue and further the spread of this good infection. And in fact, this part might be a little hard. Even as my mother's final days drew near, God used her impending death to help show how when we do walk in faith of God's word and we trust in it, we're able to grab hold of that blessed hope of Christ even as we approach our deaths. My mother's response to her impending death upon getting the news was very confusing for those close to her. Um, and shortly after she had passed away, I went out with um, someone else who's close to me and who's close to my mom, and we discussed her celebration of life and um, just her life in general and a lot of things. And after the doctor had shared the news with my mom um, at that final appointment, apparently uh, someone was a little perplexed. My mom's face never seemed to match the bad news she was receiving, the expression on her face wouldn't match. So they, they asked, do you understand what the doctor just said to you? And in response to this question, my mom said, I don't want people to only think about the bad part of cancer. See, as always, my mother's faith was allowing her to take more care for the needs of others and the challenges that she was experiencing in that very moment. And I remember when I met with the pers this person for lunch that day, um, we looked at each other almost completely befuddled <laughs> about this story and rhetorically asked, you know, what's the good part of cancer? And that, that makes perfect sense. That's the exact question you would ask in that moment, right? What is the good part of cancer? It's a question I think most of us, if not all of us, would have to that kind of a statement. But what I, I later came to understand to be true was that my mother was able to make that kind of a statement while being told that her time on this earth was so close to being over because of her good infection. See, long before this doctor blurted out these results of these tests that were letting her know that her cancer had spread, and that she had written the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.21 on her heart, which say, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. She had a substantive faith in God's word and knew that her salvation was secure in Christ. And because of that faith, she was able to approach her death in the same way she had approached her life for Christ, for caring for others, by carrying her cross. And while I was praying over this message today, I was trying to figure out what's a good illustration, what's a good video, what's something that would possibly kind of show the simplicity, the simple 
component of just sharing this good infection, spreading it with others. And in doing so, I ironically went to the cloud, yeah, uh, <laughs> pulling up some videos of my mom from the cloud, and I came across this short video. And I think that this video, it illuminates the simple, gentle, loving ways that we, we pass the gospel message down genera generationally uh, to our children and our grandchildren. Um, check out this brief video if we have it. Because of this good infection that my mom has already shared with me, I'm not too worried about that. I know that I can stand on God's promises and faith, and I can trust that my salvation is secure in the person of Jesus Christ. And today, that's, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate and we give thanks to our amazing mothers and our amazing grandmothers and the amazing women who, who share so much with us. They share stories. They share songs, lullabies, and love. Most importantly, the sacrificial love and the Christian faith, which comes through the good infection of Jesus Christ. If you would, let's pray. Lord, we just we praise you right now. We give so much thanks for the mothers and grandmothers that you've blessed us with in our lives. And just for bringing this moment here, Lord, for bringing us all together in this place. For the sacrifices that the mothers and grandmothers that the women have made. And in doing so, how those sacrifices have served to spread your good infection of sacrificial love. Father, we are thankful for this time of fellowship that we've had together. And as we move out of this time of fellowship, just pray that as we leave here, we leave as carriers of your good infection. People who reveal and show your radical love and grace and compassion to a world that is in desperate need. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. He who taught us how to pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This time we're going to move into a time of Holy Communion.
to offer the opportunity to come again to the table. The table that is open for everyone and is a present day reminder of what is coming. A time when we can all share at God's table together. Where those who we've lost, the loved ones we have, will all join. Some of them exactly as we remember them, and some of them renewed in bodies that are no longer racked with pain. I think it is important for us to remember that as we invite any and all to come. Here in the Methodist Church, we believe in an open table, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to share with us in open communion. The only thing we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God. Here in a moment, we're going to invite you to come and approach the table. If you filled out an action card today to let us know you're here, you can drop that in the basket here on the right. Allow us to help you figure out how you can best get plugged in with the ministries here at Noblesville First, how we can serve you and help you to serve others. If you brought an offering this morning and you'd like to offer that as an act of worship, you can drop that in the basket as well. The basket on the left contains communion cups. They've got a little wafer on the top and some juice underneath. We invite you to grab one of those. You can take it back to your seat if you'd like to take the body and the blood of Christ there. You can kneel at the altar, light a candle, say a prayer, whatever it is that draws you into worship this morning. As we remember, we remember the night that Jesus was killed. He took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and he said, take and eat, all of you. This is my body, which is for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his friends and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you eat of this loaf and drink of this cup. Do it in remembrance of me. Up until his very last breath, Jesus was doing what he could to share the good infection. Washing the feet of those he called friends, sharing with them his body and blood, that they would be infected and go and spread that into the world. And now we invite you to come and join at the table and renew our love and worship and commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity this morning to come and gather and worship. God, we ask that you would just fill us with your mercy and your grace and your love to the point that it overflows from us to our neighbors, to our community, and to the world. Father, we thank you that you are love. And we thank you for the examples of love that you've put in our lives. And God, we ask as we do each week that you make these gifts of food and drink for us to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The table is open, friends. Come. Oh, 
invite you now to go in the faith, in the knowledge that we've been infected. <laughs> we should go and spread that infection to the world. Go in peace.